As we stand in this room today, would you hear the word of the Lord from the book of Romans? Romans chapter 15, beginning in verse 4. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the Father and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. For this reason I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, laud him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall hope. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. For I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Let's pray. Our good and our holy God, we thank you so much for your holy word. And we thank you, Lord, during this Advent season that we can open the Bible together and that you are so faithful to meet us and that you pour out the, the spirit of Emmanuel afresh on your people and you take the word and you make a word for the living of this moment, for this hour, for this day. For this, our holy God, we give you thanks and praise. We thank you, Lord, that we can gather on this Advent Sunday and consider what it means to pursue things that make for peace. We pray, Lord, that you would empower that pursuit today. To that end, Lord, we ask you to give us eyes to see as we come to your word and give us ears to hear. Give us hearts that are tender that would receive your word like a seed planted in fertile soil. Give us feet that would walk quickly to do your will, that our work in this world would be like your own. God, we pray that a word of, of testimony and life and love and hope and peace would be found on our tongues. God, this is our prayer in the matchless and the mighty name of Jesus. And we pray saying together, amen and amen. Friends, please be seated. I would like to begin this sermon with a confession of my own sin. Uh, some of you perked up about that one. Uh, it, it's, it's rather benign, but it's real. So I'll start off with that. Uh, we might get to your sin somewhere before I get done today. But I'll start with my own. A couple of days ago, Meredith came up to me. I mean, she's a school teacher, first grade teacher. I think every 
first grade teacher ought to be given uh, a medal of valor and a purple heart. Don't you, don't you agree with me on that one? I mean, they're just great people. And uh, it's a busy time of year, and she's teaching school, and we're, we're walking out the door. She says, Matt, my shoulders hurt. Uh, would you just squish my shoulders? Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, of course. So I, and the first thing I said was, my word, your shoulders feel like an asphalt parking lot. I said, oh, those are hard. I mean, you could have landed a plane on those things. So, so much tension, so much stuff this time of year. And, and, and do you remember the movie Cool Hand Luke? Do you remember when the guy looked around and said, what we have here is a failure to communicate? Uh, when I commented on the, on, the, on the tenseness of her shoulders, we had in our home a failure to communicate. And uh, she looked me in my eyes and she said, Matt, my goodness, you wouldn't go up to a blind person and say, oh my word, you can't see. It might be true, but it's certainly unhelpful. And so... And so that, I just, that's my sin, okay? You've heard me. Would you please grant absolution? And uh, sometimes in our lives, we get in a place where we're not really communicating that well. We're not on the same page. It's not working out. We're all, we're all, we're all different people. And we don't make peace by declaring boldly, man, this is a mess. Get it together. You don't make peace by loudly shouting for it. You make peace by pursuing the things that make for peace. You make peace by manifesting the goodness of God. The passage of scripture that we just read was written to a group of people who were having a failure to communicate. <laughs> they, were, they were in conflict and it was a conflict over something it was important. They had come to Christ. And all of them had come to the place where they understood that we don't follow idols. We follow the Christ. We serve the true and the living God. And there were people within that church that says, okay, so when it comes to eating meat, as long as somebody doesn't say, all right, this was, this was meat sacrificed to idols such and such and so and so, then we have great liberty to pull out our knife and our fork and throw the shrimp on the barbie and eat our, eat our, our pork chops and, and our and catfish and chafalaya and all that because whom Christ has set free is free indeed. And there are other ones who's like, I don't know if I can trust myself with that kind of thing. So in order to not eat idle meat, they became absolute, complete, as it failed to me, teetotalers. They were meat teetotalers. Other words for that is vegetarians. They just wouldn't touch it at all. And, and the meat people and the, and, and the never meat people, the sometimes meat people and the, and the absolutely no meat people were in a, were in a little conflict. They were, in a, they were in a conflict. And so Paul, wanting to bring glory and honor to God and peace into that congregation, he artfully laid out a path for peace. He artfully laid out those things that we are to pursue, the things that make for peace. He, he laid it out. And you know what? I have a hunch. I have a hunch that we need this word on this Sunday as much as they needed that word in their day. Because we hadn't got this thing figured out yet. 
And there's still moments of conflict. And there's, there's still moments of smallness. And there's still moments when we lose that which is important for that which is secondary. There are still moments where we need to hear this word as a fresh word from God. Because, friends, I believe it is. So peace doesn't occur because we want it to. And don't we all want it to? We long for it in our hearts. In our bone marrow, we just want to live at peace. But wanting and doesn't make it so. We have to pursue the things that make for peace. Paul had already said in 1218, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, Live peaceably with all. What a wild sentence. It chastens our expectations. <laughs> if it is possible, meaning you can't put the strings of a marionette on other people and make them do what you want to do. They're not your robots. You didn't buy them down at Radio Shack. There are some moments. The best of your hopes and dreams. There will not be peace. But... That doesn't take away the second punch in the sentence, and it's a powerful one as much as depends on you. That means, that means a lot of it does indeed depend on us. And we can learn attitudes and patterns of behavior and ways of speech and ways of action that make for peace. He laid it out. And I would say it like this. When we are grounded in God's word and we've been granted God's spirit, we can grow in God's goodness and God's goodness leads to peace. Let's look at that uh, in order. When we are grounded in God's word. To this group of Christians in conflict, Paul said in 15.4, Whatever thing was written before, these things were written for our learning that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. Any theology of Scripture needs to have this verse of Scripture somewhere prominently displayed. It is so rich and it's so wonderful. He's reminding the Christians at that early stage in the development of the church that everything God has given to us when he turned to us in grace and gave us his revelation, every bit of his word was for us. It wasn't just for the felt board. It wasn't just for back in those olden days. Get this, the church in Rome, they could look back and say, well, that was back in the Bible days, looking back at the old stuff, just like we look back at them and say, well, that was back in the Bible days. And here is Paul saying to that church, you're in the Bible days because everything that God has given us in the past, he's given to instruct us. He, he's given to grow our patience. He's given to ignite our hope. He's given for our, our life and the living of it. And we, as we pursue the things that make for peace, have to start here. We have to start with the roots deep down in the revelation of God's truth. We have to be grounded in God's word. And then he goes on to quote verse after verse, verse after verse. Psalm 18, 49, 2 Samuel twenty-two fifty, 50, Deuteronomy 34, 43, Isaiah 11. 
If you're keeping score at home, that's something from the law, the prophets, and the writings. The whole kit and caboodle. Paul said from the name on the front of your Bible all the way through the maps, God has something to say about this circumstance that we're in right now. And he talked about how Jesus was the Messiah of Israel. He talked about how he was the Savior of the whole wide world. You see, they were so focused on that which was on their plate that they forgot that the whole world was in the hands of God. And what was on their plate was important. God cared about that. And he cared about how their table fellowship was being disrupted by this controversy. He cared deeply about that which was on their plate. But he wanted them to have a vision that was brought as the whole world so that they could make sense of how to deal with what was before them at the table. To pursue the things that make for peace, we have to be a people committed to the Word of God. Because every pursuit of peace needs a standard of justice and righteousness. Without that standard, what we call peace is sometimes just the fruit of the force of the mighty. I'm going to give you a second to think about that for a minute. Without a word from God, the loudest word is often the one that sets the terms of peace. And the pox bully runs the world and not the prince of peace. But when we are grounded in God's word, when we are grounded in the revelation of his truth, the kind revelation of his truth, then our lives can be molded and shaped to reflect the goodness of God. And as we grow in the goodness of God and in his love and in his joy and his peace, then the peace becomes real and it has a hope for being lasting. Of all the sentences that had ever been committed to film, I think the dumbest one came from the movie Love Story. Do you remember Love Story? I mean, the actress who spoke the words hated them when she said them, lampooned them the rest of her career. Love means never having to say, I'm sorry. Write that down, let me underline it. The dumbest words ever in the history of American film. If you love somebody, sorry will be on your tongue. Because your life is not governed by your own wills and wants, but by a standard foreign and outside of you that has come to you by a manner of grace. And we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And when we live together in community, that means we have to bring our brokenness and our sinfulness and our failures and our shortcomings not only to the Lord, but to each other. And grounded in the word of God, we can walk in grace and forgiveness because we recognize that we are sinners common and that the Lord is ours to the praise and his glory. I asked an elderly couple, 70 years of marriage, I said, what's the secret? 
They said, never let little things become big things and say I'm sorry an awful lot. The old man said, I wake up every morning saying, sugar, I'm sorry. Sometimes I don't even know what for. He said, but I know me and I know I need to ask it. <laughs> for grounded in the word of God, we can pursue the things that make for peace. But friends, we're not dealing with a lifeless document. We're, we're, we're dealing with the sword of the spirit made rich and alive by the presence of God. Grounded in the word, we're also granted God's spirit. 15.5, look at that verse with me. It is so wonderful. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Jesus Christ. How does this stuff happen? Because God makes it happen. When we are humble and we're willing and we're open to God and we confess our need, when we humble ourselves under his mighty hand, with his mighty hand, he lifts us up and he grants us the ability to do things that we cannot do on our own. And that includes living at peace within the body of Christ and within our homes. 1513, it says, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that God grants these things. 1514, you're, you're full of God's life and being full of the life of God and his character and his virtues enables us then to instruct one another. Our anothering is, is enabled by the infilling of the spirit of the living God. The Holy Spirit in our life is Christ's gift and the blessing of the Father. And when we walk before God in humility and we ask him to fill us with his spirit and let that be a daily, multiple times a day prayer for you, Lord, fill me with your spirit. He is faithful to honor that prayer. And like a good father would never withhold good things from his children, Jesus said that God the Father would never withhold the Holy Spirit from anyone who asks. God grounds us in his word as we walk with him. He grants us his spirit to enable us to live out his ways. And in this, we grow in the goodness of God. Paul lands the plane in verse 14. He says, I am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. When we're filled with the Spirit of God, we begin to manifest the fruit of His Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I turned to the choir because I learned that in a song. <laughs> Sometimes I have to sing it to remember all those but when we're filled with the Spirit of God, the life of Christ begins to come out of us. You see, the Holy Spirit is not the force from Star Wars. The Holy Spirit is not Popeye spinach. The Holy Spirit is not your co-pilot. Throw the bumper sticker away. The Holy Spirit does not empower you to do what you want to do any old time you want to do it. The Holy Spirit empowers you to do the works and to live the life of Christ in this broken earth. The Holy Spirit fills us and empowers us to walk in the goodness of God and make peace in this earth. 
So friends, I know you want it, don't you? I do, and I know it's hard. So let me ask you a series of questions by application today. Remembering that little line from 1218, as much as depends on you. Because friends, some of it depends on you. On this Sunday morning, can you honestly say that I am grounded in the Word of God? Do you have an ongoing relationship with the Scriptures as you open them before you day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, asking God to feed you from that table? Are you grounded in His Word? Grounding your life in the Word of God is pursuing the things that make for peace. Are you grounded in his word? Are you walking in his spirit? Or do you believe that God called you to himself many, many years ago, that you confessed your faith in Jesus, that you were baptized like Maya was today, and and then you said at that point, God, I'm going to do the best I can the rest of my life. Thank you for your kindness. I'm going to return the favor by white-knuckling this thing to the end of days. Some of you are absolutely and thoroughly exhausted right now because you are living out your life, including the relationships that you're in, under the weight of your own effort. This would be a great Sunday to opt out of that. Just go ahead and admit what we all know anyway. You're not up to it. God knows your pastor isn't. If that makes you nervous and you want to fire me, give it a shot. Let's go for it. Let's just pull. I mean, I'll, I'll prove to you how much I need God because in that moment I'd pull the gloves off and we'd go at it. We thoroughly need God to be God in our midst if we're going to do what God wants us to do. And he wants us to manifest a great miracle in this world by being a token of the life of the kingdom to come. And we can't do it. But God can do it. God can do it. And he does it little by little, little by little. He's as bigger than the world, and he can start with what's on your plate so that you can make room at the table of fellowship for your sisters and brothers in Christ. Are you walking in the Spirit? And are you growing in the goodness of God, particularly today in this way of peace? In their book, The Leader's Journey, Herring, Creech, and Taylor suggests you can do these four things if you want to grow in the way of peace in your life. And I want you to write these down because they'll be helpful. One, you can increase your self-awareness. If you want to grow in the goodness of God, you can increase your self-awareness. You can't do this on your own. You need to do this in trusted community among trusted friends. You need to increase your self-awareness. What do you mean, Matt? I mean, a lot of us think that life just happens to us. A lot of us forget that part of the verse that says, as it depends on you. A lot of us, a lot of us have adopted the mindset of Mongo. Mel Brooks put a line on Mongo's lips that says, Mongo only a pawn in the game of life. And some of you deep down on some days think you're just a pawn in the game of life and life's coming to you and happening to you. But when you grow in self-awareness, you begin to recognize that there is a responsible nature to you and that God wants you to own that part of it that is yours. 
Increase self-awareness. Monitor your thinking patterns. When smart people do dumb things, it's because they are afraid or they're living in greed. And when smart people live that way, they have to build up a scaffolding around them to make sense of that. And that intellectual scaffolding puts you at odds with reality. Many, many, many times when we contribute to chaos in this world, it's because we're living at odds with reality. And we need to monitor our thinking patterns. How are we viewing the world? And is it conformed to that which is true? We need to manage our feelings. And we need to slow the pace. We're living in the kind of culture that honors the fast and the furious. This is why every time you see somebody, you say, how are you doing? I'm just so busy. I don't know what to do. I went into a meeting one time at, at, at the Episcopal Church across town. My friend there is a fishing buddy. And I walked in the door, and an old Chuck Treadwell, he said, how are you doing? I said, I'm so busy. Chuck just looked at me and said, Matt, if I told you you were important, would you forever not say that again? It wounded me. But the wounds of the friends are sweet. We got to slow our pace down if we want to work and make the way of peace in the world. I had an old Pentecostal preacher friend when I was growing up used to say, you cannot plow with a racehorse. Notice in the Bible that terms of peace usually came on the backs of mules and donkeys. Peace plods. But plods in strength. Are you growing in the goodness of God? As it depends on you, would you commit afresh today to doing that thing? God, we love you and we thank you for loving us. We thank you for a chance to worship you in this house. And we pray today, Lord, as we rise to sing that if there are decisions to be made publicly in this place, that your people would make them. And for all of us, Lord, who need to recommit our way to pursuing the things that make for peace, we pray, Lord, that you, by your Spirit, would enable us to do that very thing in this very hour. This is our prayer in Christ's name. We pray together saying amen. Let's rise. Let's sing. Respond as the Lord would lead you.